morning. This is Fit, Fun, and Frazzled, and I am your host, Nikki Lanigan, and I'm super excited about today's episode. I have my friend and fellow yogi, Lauren Plagans-Young. Hi, Hi, Lauren. How are you? Good, Nikki. How are you? It's so nice to talk to you. I know. I haven't seen you in forever. I know. It's been a long time, although I'm hoping to stop by and grab that book from you at some point. Oh, yeah. I have it actually at my office. Oh, oh, perfect. (laughs) Um, Lauren and I actually go way far back when we were kids. We grew up down the street from each other in um, a development in a suburb of Cleveland. So it's so cool how like we then connected as adults too when I started going to yours and your sister's yoga studio yeah growing up in in Westwinds was special with the pool and all those kids running around and yeah reconnecting at the yoga studio has yeah was special and is special how so you were in corporate America though before you became got into yoga and became a yoga instructor and then a studio owner Yes. Uh, when I graduated college, I got my degree in finance at Miami University in Ohio and went right into the working world. Um, and I spent about 10 years in corporate America. Oh. And yeah, and most of it was really, I, sh- I should say all of it was really great in that even the times I didn't enjoy, there were lessons in that that I unraveled later, right? Um, but somewhere yeah. along the way, I started to become dissatisfied with my career, and I felt really burnt out. Um, I noticed dreading going to work, you know, the Sunday scaries. Yeah. And so I knew I needed to do something different. I had always wanted to become an entrepreneur, and around that same time, I had fallen kind of head over heels in love with yoga. To the point where my family noticed positive differences in me, you know, wow, you, you really seem more content. Or I think my favorite compliment was that I seemed more loving. Oh, yeah. And so I started down a path of exploring what it would be like to open a yoga studio with my family. I've always been really close to my sisters and my sisters and my dad had become yogis just like myself. And yeah, we, you know, it was kind of like the seed was planted and we watered that seed and it, and it grew and we were lucky enough to open our doors in 2014. And it was (laughs) all the thing, all the things, right? Like scary Mm -hmm. and exciting and a completely new chapter. I did fully leave my corporate America job, which felt like a leap, a really exciting one and can be a scary one too. Uh, but yeah, I was right. lucky enough to do that. And we um, ended up selling our studio this year of all the time. <laughs> crazy, but um, yeah. I've gotten to see now I feel like the full life cycle of a business from all the energy that it takes to start it and then the the maintenance and consistent effort it takes to run it, the operation mode, and then the the sale and passing the torch. Or I know some businesses close. We were lucky enough to have someone interested in taking it over. So Yeah. So, yeah, it was 
a great experience and I feel really lucky to have done that in my life. Yeah. I love that. Do you have any advice for others to pursue their dream or entrepreneur life? Yeah. I just read an article that said during COVID, during the pandemic, um, people's desire to open businesses has not changed. So there's still as many people that want to open businesses as there always was pre COVID. And I found that to be really a hopeful statistic. I think the American dream is alive and well in, in us. And that's really cool. Um, So a couple of things, I think you have to believe in yourself and the idea, because if you don't believe in yourself and your idea, then it, it might be difficult to, sell your idea. At some point, a business typically involves selling an idea or a service um, right, or a product. So belief, and luckily that's something we can impact, is our, we can consciously work on our belief in self. Um, I think you need that passion. So my second thing would be passion. And that's kind of similar to belief, although I think it's a little different because passion for me was just this crazy obsession with this thing, which my thing was yoga. Um, and I don't mm-hmm. think if I, if I didn't have that crazy obsession with it, it would have been, I could have done it. Although I think it would have been more difficult to maintain the, just to show up consistently, you know, yoga was a yeah. seven day a week operation and lucky for me, I had family and that was part of it with me and friends, Walt and Beth too. Yeah. So that helped because we leaned on each other, but we each kind of had to show up every day with the role that we had taken on within the operation. So belief in self, a passion for, um, I think prioritizing because when you are a business owner, there are so many things that you can focus on. Mm-hmm. And to really hone in on what is important in that moment. What are your priorities for that day, week, year? The first year of our business was very different from the fifth year, as you can imagine. Right. I'm sure. So prioritizing what you're working on at that time, that helps avoid overwhelm because there's just a lot of directions that your mind and your energy can take. And then the fourth one, and maybe most important, is to take consistent action. So even if you do one small thing each day, say your dream is opening a yoga studio, maybe today the only thing I have energy to do is Google what are the other yoga studios in the area. That's one small action I could take. Yeah. Or one day, oh, I like yeah, that. One day I could drive by. We did drive by lots of different locations, my sisters and I, and thought, would this be a good spot? Let's look at what's for rent. How much is it? So mm-hmm. every day I think there's a small a small action that you can take that then leads you towards your end goal. So just continuing to take action. Yeah. I like that. Thanks. <laughs> um, you are also, um, I want to tell the listeners, like such, I'll put in on the show notes too, but such a positive and true and honest, refreshing person on Instagram. And I know um, you have actually, you've helped me so much. Thanks, Nikki. Um, Talking about your anxiety and being open about it and just about motherhood and 
it's not all rainbows and unicorns or posting the good pictures of your kids perfectly dressed and smiling and (laughs) saying, you know what, today sucks. (laughs) And I think people need that. And I want to thank you about that. Thanks. Um, Since you are so open about your anxiety, can you talk a little bit about that? When did you first notice it and things or ways that help you deal with it? Sure. Um, Yeah, I never experienced anxiety in the form that I have experienced it the past few years until the birth of my son. Um, So I had a baby, my son Paxton, my so cute. <laughs> now it's hard to think of what my life was like before. Um, but anyway, in December of 2016, I had my son. And even from the minute we left the hospital, uh, we lived in Chicago at that time. My husband and I um, and our new baby, I just felt totally overcome with worry of, am I doing this right? You know, is my kid breathing? You know, I can't even there are times I'd go check and listen and put my ear to his chest and, yeah. and I was not able to sleep at all. I couldn't relax. And at first I thought that that was really normal. You know, this must be all part of it. Everything's new and I'm, I'm sure that I'll get back to normal in quotes eventually. Right. And then maybe a month after he was born, I, I forced myself to go to this new mom's group and I cried on the way there I couldn't get the car. I couldn't get the car seat in the bucket right, and I couldn't find a parking spot. And I just, I was just bawling. And I went, yeah. <laughs> I went into the group, and there was another mom there who, somewhere along the hour, mentioned that she had started Zoloft, and she just knew she really needed it at that time, and it, maybe it wasn't going to be forever, but that she wanted to share that she had now been able to sleep, and felt so much better. And it was one of the first times that I gave thought to maybe the fact that what I was feeling, um, not that it even wasn't normal, I guess, but it was extreme. I think all moms have some level of worry and nerves. Uh, Yeah. But going night after night with maybe one hour of sleep was my average for the first few weeks. It wasn't, oh my God, it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't good for me and I needed to take, take an action. And it was the first moment I think I thought, gosh, maybe I do have postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. And I think they're a little bit different. Mine was more anxiety of racing thoughts, couldn't relax, couldn't sleep, um, some baby blues along with it. But I would classify mine more as postpartum anxiety rather than postpartum depression. And then around that Mm -hmm. same time, I had scheduled an in-home massage, thinking that, okay, massage is something that has worked for me in the past. Maybe this will help me relax. And the massage therapist, who was also a doula, actually commented that when I was laying on my belly that she could feel my heart beating through my chest. Yeah. And, yeah, it it did uh, evoke emotions in me of, sadness of, gosh, why do I, I, I thought this um, part of my life right after giving birth, I thought pregnancy was going to be the hard part, right? And then once I deliver, I'm just going to be strolling the streets in my yoga pants with my cute baby. 
in the stroller yeah. and it, it wasn't that at all. So there was some sadness too about what my expectation was versus what my actual experience was. So I went to my OBGYN and I took the postpartum the test that they give you. And I was like off the charts. <laughs> so I did go on Zoloft for a while and I'm really proud of the strides I've made in living with anxiety. It's not fully, it's not fully gone, but I definitely have fewer episodes of it. And when it does creep up, I have learned things that help me minimize it. It doesn't, it doesn't fully go away, at least not for me yet. And I, it could in the future. Yeah. But some things I've done are I've tried two different medications, <clears throat> Zoloft and Lexapro. Right now I'm, I was on Lexapro yeah. after my okay. youngest because I had um, OCD. My OCD, well, I always had it, but it got really bad again after I had uh, okay. her. Okay, I can I can see that so, though, yeah. with all the stuff that goes along with with mm-hmm. kids. I've tried regular chiropractic. I have found just walks in nature to be really help, helpful and grounding. Um, asking for support. That one's been surprisingly hard. I, I'm by nature, I like to be independent. And so for me to admit that I'm struggling and ask for and accept help. Yeah. Hard. Um, yeah. But when I do accept help, I'm so grateful and it, it, it does change my outlook. So I'm still evolving when it comes to that one. Um, also recognizing it's temporary, like when I'm really in it, if I can remind myself that this feeling isn't going to last forever and that this too shall pass as the old saying goes, it helps, Mm -hmm. um, sleep definitely helps just seems to give my nervous system that, um, pause that it needs. So how about you? Is there anything that I, anything else I should try? (laughs) (laughs) um well these past two weeks I've been in huge anxiety like not sleeping so I'm like ah this is like the perfect time to do this podcast too talking about it but I mean yoga helps ground me yoga and practicing gratitude and essential oils and then I have um a pink Himalayan salt lamp I've been using um and breathing exercises I started to get into that um, after, you know, listening to Casey's podcasts and I try to do that, that or a meditation every morning and the weird ironic thing these past two weeks, I haven't found time and my anxiety is off the charts bad. So yeah, it does help. I need, yeah, but I like the massage though. I need to get back into that. I used to do that regularly when the kids were younger um, but with them being older and so many activities, it got hard. It's, it's but, hard right now, too, in pandemic life, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. many breaks. But I love pranayam, too. I should get back to my breath, my breath work. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's also why my anxiety is bad is because the pandemic right now, because the numbers got so high and I'm second guessing everything, like. Should I be sending them to school? Should I be sending them them to cheer? 
it's you know you second guess everything yeah it's a hard time to be a parent it's a hard time to be a human (laughs) everyone I think has their different (laughs) struggles during this time but yeah I relate to those for sure I chose to send my son to school and yeah I'll maybe I'll never know if it was the right choice it, it the right choice for mm-hmm. me that's why I made it in hindsight they choices typically make sense at least that's what I find but yeah it's hard we sent ours too because Avon Lake you get a choice either five days in person or five days virtual so my oldest wanted to go though. It's her first year at middle school. So she was really yeah. excited. Yeah. My son, since he's an only child, he has just six other kids in his class. And I really wanted him to have that interaction mm-hmm. with other kids yeah. that I just, that's just something I can't give him right now. So. Yeah. Um, kind of switching topics and this is really good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell the listeners um, last week with my podcast episode, I recorded it about manifesting Lauren had absolutely no idea I did this and came to me with this idea also. And I thought the universe put it this there for us <laughs> to talk about for a reason. <laughs> so how our thoughts become things. Yes. I've been really into this idea too. I actually got Gabrielle Bernstein's book. Oh, I love um, her. Yes. Uh, super Attractor. So I just read the first chapter. I'm just now getting into that. But um, I believe things, I believe this also. So I knew we had to talk about this. Um, Why are you a believer in this? Like what is, first let's talk about the concept also for listeners that haven't heard about this, but why are you a believer in this? Yeah, sure. I mean, The concept, um, I knew of the three topics. This is the one that I get the most energy around and it excites me. And it's also the one Mm -hmm. that it's so conceptual. I have sometimes a hard time explaining it. So forgive me if I don't nail it 100%, but I'll give it my best effort. Thoughts Become Things is the concept that what's in your mind, what you're thinking about, you can create. You can You can bring it to life in your own life. You can make it real. Um, What else should I add to that description? Or do you think that's... Um, That I know that it's... Yeah, like you think it, you put it into action. Yeah, yeah, manifest is, I think, a word when I listened to your episode about manifesting that people are more familiar with now and... um, it's a word that people understand. So it's, it's the idea of manifesting things that you desire into your life. And the reason I believe in it so much is that it has, it has truly worked in my own life. Um, it has changed my life entirely since I started to consciously look at my thoughts. And part of that's yoga and the the lifestyle around being mindful and being aware of what it is you're thinking. And then part of it is that I started to study the, the secret, the law of attraction. And the reason I use the word study and not read is that I kept going back to it again and again and revisiting the book and there are CDs that I bought, which that makes me sound really old. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then a couple programs I enrolled in called Dream Builder. I did one on my own and one with my sisters. And the one I did with my sisters after we completed the program, I think our studio was open within months. You know, I've just seen, yeah, oh, wow. I've seen it work in my own life. What is the Dream Builder um, program? Dream Builder, I'm not even sure if it still exists in its same form. But it was a program mm-hmm. where I, that we went through with a coach and we'd get on the phone for weekly calls. We wrote down a vision and then we, um, we looked at limiting beliefs. We looked at actions we could take towards our vision. We looked at uh, five sensorizing our vision. So I often have heard and I've seen it in my own life that if you can get really clear and really specific on what it is that your dreams and goals are, they're far more likely to come true. And writing it down, writing it down, people typically achieve their goals, a higher percentage of people achieve their goals if they write them down. So it was doing all those things and then getting on the phone with a group weekly to talk about it. So verbalizing it too, saying, saying it out loud in a group that would support and encourage And then we had the coach there too, to guide us along the process. So there was a formal process we went through and we paid, you know, we paid money to do this program, but I did find that the concepts I learned then have carried forward in my life. I can apply that to anything. So observing my own thoughts and my own beliefs and beliefs can be conscious or subconscious. I can be aware of what I believe, or sometimes it's subconscious and something that I haven't taken the time to unwind. Why is it that I think that way? Did I learn that from my parents or from society? And is that what I truly believe or not? Mm -hmm. Um, So a couple examples in my own life, and these these are now have been a while, but I think they're powerful. Um, in my, in my love life, in my 20s, so I'm a, a child of divorced parents, and for a long time, I didn't really think, I didn't believe that a, there was such a thing as a good marriage. I didn't experience that in my, I shouldn't say my parents' marriage was bad. <laughs> I don't want them to listen to this and think that it was all bad. Um, but being a child of divorce, I guess maybe I should say, I, I think I didn't believe that marriages could last forever and that people could continue right. to love each other and grow within the marriage. Uh, I didn't observe that in my childhood since my parents got divorced. And then since that was my belief, that's all I looked that's all I saw anywhere that I looked. So in my career, I noticed when, when marriages were breaking up, I noticed when guys would stay at happy hour long and I'd observe, Oh, I guess he doesn't want to go home to his wife. Um, just all my childhood beliefs around marriage were then impacting my results in my dating life. Mm-hmm. So I wanted a long-term relationship that was based on love and truth and commitment and honesty. And yet, since I believed that those didn't exist, I didn't, I wasn't finding it. So I had to become aware of what my beliefs were around marriage and shift them 
in order to get married myself. I, yeah, I, um, I remember when I was on a call and a coach had said to me, you know, can you find at least one couple, (laughs) observe one couple that you admire their marriage? And I had a hard time at that time thinking of one. And I still remember who it was. And they're, they married there. They stayed married until the man passed away. But that kind of opened up a small window in my mind of, oh, wow, there actually are marriages out there that I admire and that are full of love. And then the more that I looked for them, the more I noticed that they do exist. And now in my Mm -hmm. life, I notice many marriages that I admire in my friends and in my, my family, aunts and uncles and so changing a belief can really impact your impact your life and what shows up in your life. Yeah. And then another, another one of mine. So the program had these categories of um, relationships, health, um, career or purpose, and then time and money freedom. Those were kind of the four buckets. And if those didn't okay. apply to you, you could certainly change you know, maybe you have something else that you consider a big bucket in your life or you like to use a different word and that's totally okay. Um, but money was another one. So time and money freedom that came up for me in my beliefs that growing up, I believed that I have to work hard and long for money. And money I know can be a polarizing and can be a polarizing topic it can be I find it at times a difficult topic to and look there's my belief right so it's going to be difficult because I believe it's difficult to talk about at times Um, (laughs) but back to earning money or uh, welcoming money into my life I had to shift my thinking around money that money comes easily and frequently And at first Mm -hmm. when I said that out loud, I thought it was, it even sounds, it sounded funny to me at the time. So I had to reinforce my own, my own belief. Um, I think money is good. I think money can do amazing things for the world. It's an energy. So I had, I had to examine my own relationship with money, my beliefs around money, and then shifting those I have experienced more abundance in that area in my life. And then that provides me opportunity to help others uh, free up time for myself so that I feel good. And when I feel good, I can do more for the world. So my new beliefs around money, which are just new in the past, you know, 10 years are that money, if used if used in the right way, can be incredibly good. Yeah. And I think that's something as yogis and women, although I don't want to generalize, um, that women are still working with, working on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And in the yoga community, I found that yoga to be such a service to people, yoga teachers to be such a service that I believed they should be paid 
accordingly, you know, and right. yeah, it's an industry that has, um, in general, not been the best paid industry. And that was hard when I owned, when we owned the studio mm-hmm. for me, that was hard to, um, to work within the norms of the industry and then try to shift it to. Yeah. That's what that you say that. Cause it's so funny. Like when I first started teaching yoga, it was kind of like we were taught, not taught, but um, you should teach for free. You should offer your services for free. It's the yoga way no. to, you know, which is, I still believe you can, but then also it's like, why? Why can't like I'm putting all this time and energy into these classes and a lot of, of a lot of times like it's I'm doing it with love and care because, you know, I, that's what I have and I enjoy it. But it's it is time consuming. For sure. So, so why shouldn't you be paid for your time? Mm-hmm. And you are providing something of such high value. So that one, I think. I think it has to, I think in order to change it, it's a big one. It does, the, the teachers ourselves, us, have to believe it as well for it to shift. Um, and that was challenging, I'll say. <laughs> Although it's, I yeah. do believe it's, I do believe no. it's possible and I have observed examples of it, of people being paid paid well and the students feeling I also wanted the students to feel happy that they are getting of course what they paid for you know I want the exchange to feel good for everyone for the teacher mm-hmm. or when I was the business owner or the co-owner for I wanted the exchange to feel good for me feel good for the teacher and feel good for the student and I do I do do believe yeah. there is a way for that to happen so I'm hopeful yeah. on that I've been working on this one now too, like saying the affirmations with money and success, because I feel like growing up, you're told, you know, don't talk about money and <laughs> things. So it was always like, don't talk about it. But then it was also like with the sh- um, shutdown and stuff, like we took, I took pay cuts and stuff and then it got a little stressful this uh, spring and summer and I kept everything snowballed. Like I would be down and I would say, Oh, this sucks, this, this, and this. But then when I started to train my brain to be like, you live in a really nice house. You can, you're still living in a nice house. You're fine. You know, like things started to pick back up. Yeah, it is hard and it can sneak. I noticed in my life, an old belief can sneak in at times. And I have to be aware of that when I get in a little bit of a rut. And I think pandemic is perfect time for old beliefs to sneak in because if we're feeling any bit of, and my sister Hallie had posted about this, she's a therapist. Um, if we're feeling trauma, which some of us are, or maybe all of us are to some level, you know, loss of gatherings, mm-hmm. loss of human life, loss of norms right that there can be grief associated or traumatic feelings associated and when we go into trauma usually we revert back to 
like an old, old comfortable shoe, like old beliefs or old, just we, we want safety. And so this would be a normal and natural time for old beliefs to sneak back in. And it's okay if they sneak back in, we can prune them out again. That's the really Mm -hmm. exciting part about, I think this work is it's been shown that up until the day we die, we have the potential to rewire our brain, which is awesome because it Mm -hmm. allows us to make different choices. Now it might be some things I think are easier to change than others. So if I've been in a deep groove for say 10 or 15 years of a certain belief, that might be more difficult for me to shift than something I've just been doing for six months. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's possible. I'm no, trying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to start doing this with my kids when they get like down on something and they're only like focusing on the negative. Um, it's easier when they're in better moods. I mean, my oldest just turned 13. So I have those fun teens right now that everything, when some, one thing goes wrong, everything yeah. goes wrong, <laughs> but I'm trying to get them there. Like you have to be in control of your thoughts and choose. And yeah. So sometimes it works with them, but what? they're still young, but this, I want to set it up. So yeah. What a powerful thing to teach kids. And I noticed back to, you know, maybe selfishly why I share on my social media about anxiety is I notice when I acknowledge and validate what it is I'm experiencing, whether it's anxiety or a really crummy day as a parent, I, then I've accepted that that's true for that moment. And instead of pushing it away, it seems once I accept it, then it starts to shift a little bit. It starts to move a little bit. It's not stuck. It's fluid. So mm-hmm. that's another reason why I'm, I try to just be open and honest about how I'm feeling in the moment. And that's been a learning for me too. Yeah. Do you know, I never shared on social media about my anxiety or OCD until after you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you for letting me feel comfortable oh, enough to get it out you, there. Yeah, I find it creates like... I feel not alone that I, that I know that you experience it too and other women, other moms. So thank you for your bravery. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for being on my podcast. This has been an amazing episode and you are so inspiring and I'm so happy we finally got to talk oh, and catch thanks, up. Nikki. I hope I get to see you at some point in the future, maybe in the sp- spring once. I know. Yeah. I'll leave. I know. I'll leave all of information and show notes in my podcast episode for people to check you out on Instagram. And do you share, you, you don't really use Facebook, do you? Mostly, yeah. Mostly, I Instagram. mostly Instagram. I, I enjoy Instagram. Yeah, okay. So that's where I'm sharing these days. Yeah, well, thank you. Right. I love your podcast. I've listened. Thank to, you. Yeah, I've listened to thank episodes, you. And thanks for giving women and me a voice to to share. Well, thanks for coming. Oh, on. you and have a great Thanksgiving. All right. Bye. Thank-